Welcome to the Academy Football Network podcast. This episode we are joined by Anthony Limbrick, former Woking manager, assistant Grimsby Town manager and academy coach at Southampton and West Ham. Episode 2, we discuss the lead phase role and release and retain. Challenging behaviour can be seen uh, as obviously, obviously frowned upon. Mm. So how how do you deal with challenging behaviour mm. uh, during a session, during mm. a game? You know, you may not see it. You know, how do you deal with challenging? Yeah, I think it's a really such a good point because at first I'd think of I think when I was a young coach, very inexperienced, I'd think of it as, oh, that kid's naughty or he's just not. He, he's do you know what I mean? He's oh, he doesn't want to do what what I want him to do type thing. But then if I think you've got to look at yourself first, so is the practice challenging enough? I think the most unbehaved kids are sometimes the best players mm. because they're bored in the session mm. and you might not be testing them enough. So I'd always try and look and certainly do now, even with the first team players as well, look at yourself first and see what's happening in the session and are they are, are the challenges high enough for them in the session? Because a lot of the times I've, I've just found that when the players are what's perceived as misbehaving is because they're not doing enough in the session mm. or the session's not quick enough for them or there's too much talking or... They're not getting challenged enough in there, so I thought that was a uh, something I worked out pretty early, but something that I've always tried to stick to. Yeah, I think is how. What do you do in yourself in that? I think if you look at yourself as the coach or the session first, go. Well, why is he doing that? Well, he's, he doesn't have a. He might need a little target in there that's different to the other players. They're fine, but he might need a bit extra. Uh, I think do you know what I mean? Can you get to three goals, or can you do this? Can how many times can you turn on the half turn and play forward? If you get to five, I'll give you a point type thing and that way he might go oh yeah he might need that the other players don't but he might need that himself so I think that's probably an interesting one and I think sometimes younger players we all know it's a bit of an act isn't it sometimes so maybe some players you might have to nail them early in the session and go well, look yeah. if you do that again you you won't yeah. play in this session yeah, and then see how that goes and others might need a little arm around look, look I remember one time at um, Southampton there was um big on like timekeeping and things like that like you always are in all academies and there was this one kid who I was quite new to the age group and he must have got there at five past eight I think in the morning to go to an away game and me being the coach I thought oh, I'm going to get him it's five past eight he's late we'll let him know and it was only under 14s but I was still learning at the time and I told him off and, and put him on the bus and he was oh, got on the bus and then I managed to talk to him later on and I found out where he'd come from. And he'd come all the way from like Portsmouth that morning. He wow. had no real parental support to get him there. He got there himself on a bus. The train wasn't working. So he caught two buses. Then he walked half an hour. And he left at some silly time, like 4 or 5 a.m. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I'm telling him off for being five minutes late. Yeah. Whereas he's got everyone else has turned up with their parents in their cars, probably their nice cars, dropped them off. And he's done all that to get there on time just for a game on a Sunday. And that taught me a huge lesson at the time. Mm. I was like, well, make sure you know, one, about your players, first of all, mm. and two, what they've had to go through to get there. So he might have been five minutes late, but boy, did he put in the yards. And from that moment on, I knew he was going to do yeah. well. And he did quite well. And I think he went out to America and got a scholarship and yeah. did, did quite well. But that, that was that, a good, that a good like lesson for me because I could go, oh, oh, he's late. He doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't want to be a footballer, whereas he's done twice as much more Which I think than important. any other player. And I, I went, think, oh... 
that, if I don't learn from that, there's something wrong, do you know what I mean? Which I think is important. I mean, there are loads of things that are sticking out for me in regards to that in terms of knowing your children and mm. what's going on for them in terms of them as a child or as, as a person. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 we, we, we forget those little things as well. Sometimes we get caught in, um, in, a, in a, I don't know, the, the football world where it's mm. all about the football. Um, and we often know that in regards to where these young people may end up, often mm. is a case where it might not be football. Um, that conversation in regards to the conversation probably supported that person mm. a hell of a lot just understanding you know what someone's taking the time to actually acknowledge yeah. the fact that yeah. I left at 5am in the mm. morning took me three hours to get here um, and it probably I know I got in a little bit of trouble but actually they've acknowledged yeah. the fact that what I've done to get here is probably hell of above any sort of thing mm. that some other that, that other young people have done so really interesting um, We you kind of lent on in terms of your experience in youth development and we, 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 we talked to some of the people that have been on the show that whole process of being in and out of academy and what that looks like and sort of the whole retain and release process How, what was your involvement in that? Yeah I mean when I uh, I first went into Southampton's under 14's coach and then mm. like I said went to the, the 13 to 16 um, lead phase coach so it was always a big decision at the end of the under 14s year mm. at that time because that was 2012 2013 and it was quite a big cut off because you didn't have a 15s games program mm. whereas now the 15s games program is a lot more available so yeah. you wouldn't take as many under 14s because the better 15s would play in the 16s and you'd only take one or two of the other 15s you weren't ready for that which really isn't right when you think about it because you could have some late developers in the 15s that you yeah. might miss out on. Um, yeah, that, that was a hard process. I think Southampton taught me a lot with that, that there was a lot of people involved in that process, which yeah. was good. Yeah, so you'd yeah. have a lot of, you'd have the recruitment people inputting, you'd have the coaches who'd work with the players inputting. We'd have recruitment meetings with S&C coaches, with physios, yeah. with the, the head of education as well. And I thought that was good that everybody was involved and it was a really informed decision. Because I think if you just leave it to one coach, to make mm. the decision, there could be mistakes happening with players, and we've made mistakes. Do you know what I mean some players got through the system? But I think it was quite a good way of doing it that everybody would be involved. Um, around that under sixteen time as well, or during that time, it was my job to tell the players and their parents when they weren't getting offered another contract. And how how was that for you? That that was the hardest thing. Yeah. Dr getting rid of a first team player is so much easier because <laughs> around that 14s, 15s age group is the hardest because they're old enough to understand what's going on yeah. but still young enough to take it emotionally and you see them at like four or five times a week mm. now cutting a first team player is easy because they know that that's the business they're yeah. in we know as coaches and managers hide and fire and the younger but ages, the younger ages is yeah. hard it's the do we worst. do enough oh. do we do enough for the younger I, ages I think um, from what I've seen there's a lot a lot of good work being yeah. done with it and it is going to be upsetting it is going to be hard I think it's more about what you do after that so we I would think. have that meeting and it would be a terrible meeting mm -hmm. you'd be telling the kid that they wouldn't make it I think that it should never be a shock to a player mm -hmm. and that took me a few years to, to work out how to do that I think with the previous meeting six weeks twelve weeks before this before that we need to be doing these things if you're going to get that contract and then mm. six weeks before that well you still need to do these things mm. so I, th I think it should never be a shock mm. but it's never easy either I mean, the parents sacrifice so much. The kids are sacrificed so much. Uh, they might be supporting that club as well, so it means even more to them. But I think once you have that meeting, it's what you do after. How you do they? What route do they want to go down? 
Do they want to follow the American like college route? You need to help them and get him in touch with the right people for that. Put, we used to put together a good video at Southampton and West Ham as well with the contacts that they had. West Ham were quite good at that because they would set up the players to be able to go to other clubs oh, cool. if they wanted to, and they were very good at that. And that was a lot of that was done by the recruitment team. They were very good at that too. Yeah, so, so I think supporting that player, I've had a, some terrible meetings, some terrible meetings mm. when you originally do that. But then if you do the work afterwards because you care about the player, I think that's the most important mm. bit and support them in whatever route they want to go down. And is there anything... I, I mean, I listened to... You just talked about West Ham helping them get into mm. different clubs. Is there anything else you feel that sometimes you think we could have done that bit better? Or that if I, if I was a young person, yourselves, yeah. you think, mm, could we have just done giving them that? Is there something... Um, I think I've been fortunate with the two clubs I've been at during that time that they have done that quite well. Yeah. Um, I think just I think just giving them that personal care and attention and knowing exactly what they want to do after that. Yeah. Some of those players just want to go back and play grassroots football. Mm -hmm. So how do you support with them with that? I think making sure you know we've we've sort of said it a few times, but what the individual needs, mm. I think is probably the most important bit definitely, with that. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. So all right. So now. I listened to this before in regards to your transition from kind of a development environment to yep. go into, you're now going to a first team, winning means more than anything in, in terms of development, mm. that kind of, and I thought it was really interesting in terms of your experience there. And so we talked about now you've gone from grassroots and to, to elite boys academy football, which has its own transition and we talked about that. Now you're going from elite boys development football to first team football. What yeah. was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was um it was certainly a challenge. It was certainly different. But one where I knew I had to go into that environment and try and be myself at the same time. So I'd love to claim claim this was my own saying as well, but I still love <laughs> it from a lot of other coaches yeah. as well. But it was um, from Michael Beale, the coach who's at um, Rangers, Rangers at the yeah. moment, who's top, top coach, and I've Liverpool, learned a lot from. Chelsea. That's it, yeah, 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 yeah very yeah, good yeah. coach. And he said, once you're a developer, you're always a developer. So yeah. it's hard to come away from that, even when you go into first football, yeah. first team football. And that always stuck with me, and I thought that I wanted to prove that you could coach, you could develop, but then also you could win games at the same time. And I was mm -hmm. probably keen to try and prove to myself that you could do that. Mm -hmm. Because I, st I still do believe that players of any age, you can develop and improve them they're going to be the 30-year-old pro who's been in League 2 for 15 years is going to look different to the 17-year-old lad on loan from Southampton who's in League 2 who you want to develop. So that's going to be different. But when I first went in at Woking, the budget wasn't big. Um, so I knew we had to have a young team. Um, mm. I wanted a young team to get out the philosophy that I wanted to do yeah. of pressing high tempo, quick transition, crosses in the box. So the average age at Woking was sort of 23, 24 um, and then when I recruited the players, I was probably lucky that they didn't have many players left over. So I could really recruit the type of players I wanted. So a, a lot of them, I sold them the development program that mm. come and play for me and you'll get what you won't get at other clubs. And that's a development program. Mm. We're going to develop you as a player and a person and push you on and and, and push you on to, to hire. So for example, a, like Joe... For everyone. Yeah, for like Joe Ward, for example, he we sold him in January to... Probably a bit too early in January. <laughs> we probably should have sold him at the end of the season to Peterborough. And he'd been at Brighton Academy. Yeah. He'd gone on loan to a couple of clubs and he wanted to get in, play games, improve, and he definitely had the technical ability to go and play higher. We all knew that. But no one had really got it out of him. So I sold it to him that, look, we'd do an individual development plan similar to what I'd learned at West Ham. Yeah. 
we'd work on his individual skills go through his individual clips as well once a week we'd sit yeah. down with that work with him off the field like with his psychology as well and his confidence and stuff like that yeah. and we and not just from us he did it himself don't get me wrong he was yeah. a, he was a top player and he had a really good start to the season and we ended up selling him so i never would have got that player for the money that we were paying him which wasn't a lot yeah. if we hadn't sold him that development plan so i felt that that was the only way i could recruit some players to get them to come and play for the money that i was offering at the time and, 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 that, and that was hard to recruit those players, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just to go a step back, because I know a lot of the listeners will want to know, how did you go from youth football mm. to first team? How did you, yeah. number one, get in front of the, the right people to get the interview? How, how does that process mm. work? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't know how it would work at the start, if I'm honest. I was working at West Ham, um, doing the 15s there. Great job. But I knew that I wanted to try and test myself. And try and see if I could get into first team football whether that be as a first team coach or whether that be as a manager or whatnot. and I applied for the pro licence which really kicked it off at West Ham and I thought oh, I'm the under 15s coach I'm not going to get on the pro licence but they it was the first year where they did a whole application process yep. so you had to go up to St George's Park you interview. had to interview you had to ask a lot of questions they sort of did these like role play scenarios where they put you under a lot of pressure and it was quite good to watch some big hitters in the game squirming around, actually, but it was good. But um, and, and, and I think they were more open to who could get on the course. So they had a certain amount of managers, certain amount of ex-players who had just come out of playing or were playing, and they had a certain amount of academy coaches in there. So I thought that gave me an opportunity to get on. But originally I thought, I'll apply for the pro licence. It would probably take me three or four years to get on the course. Yeah. And then I'd be able to hopefully maybe move into first-team football. But it all moved quite quick. Um, I got on the pro license and then from that course there I applied for a few managers jobs and managed to get in front of people and, and I felt if I got in front of people I'd have a chance and just so happened that the club at that time wanted to go from a part-time model into more of a full-time model so I think that probably helped my cause as well mm. and, I, and I interviewed and, and, and went from there really and then all of a sudden I was there with five players no training ground no lunch no nothing <laughs> for the players and I'm thinking oh, wow what have I got myself into here so it was quite different wow. going from Southampton and West Ham where you've got video analysis facilities great pitches to everything to having no facilities no pitches no players no travel plans to having to go oh wow so I sort of went up in terms of working with adults and for three points football to then suddenly having to do a lot more stuff as well and what's that interview process like so you know, you, you, I'm assuming that you apply, you put your CV in just like you do for a regular job. Then how you obviously get shortlisted, you come in in front of maybe is it the board? I don't know who you get in front of. Mm. What is that? Can you tell everyone about that? Yeah, process? well, I, I did a presentation for the board um, at the time and I, I knew that I'd have to present well because there were some obviously some good managers who'd been in the job. Um, so I did a, a, a squad analysis of the players that I wanted to bring in, the players that I would keep, what the strengths and weaknesses were from the previous seasons. Um, I showed how I'd use video analysis with the clips that we'd show to the players. Um, I did a different section on like how I'd link in with the community because I thought that was really important. They were real community club woking and real proud fans and wanted to make sure I was doing my bit for the community. And and also how I would link in with the academy as well, bringing the young players through because it was a no-brainer for me with, yeah. with and could save you money on players. But also with the background I had, how I'd, I'd go and work with the academy players, get the youth team coach involved. And I did a yeah full a full presentation with that, asked questions at the end, and didn't necessarily expect anything from it at the end, but felt like I presented well and and, and managed to get through that way. So, 
other other ways I think uh, have been different. I've had other interviews that have been totally different, just to sit down face to face chat, or uh, uh, not an interview at all type thing, like a see what you're about from the outside and then hire you or not. So it, there's all different types of interview types, but I knew that when I did the presentation for that first job, I, I needed to be on the money and show show what I could do. I did a, a full preseason plan of every session, what we'd be doing in every single session leading up to the season, where the games would be, things like that. So I thought they, they wanted and, and needed that detail and that's how I wanted to, to show it. I mean, I, I certainly delivered what I was going to do anyway in there because I thought that was important. I couldn't go in and say one thing. I was going to bring in 30, 30 year olds and smash it forward. So I, so I, I, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to see that, see that presentation um, um, in regards to um, your interview process and what it was like yeah. if you being a, a first team manager. And I thought it was very detailed and something it gave me an insight in regards to that process um, that is being delivered to get get a manager's job or mm. you, the way you see it. I'm not sure if that's often done. Um, but yeah, it gave me a real insight, which I thought mm. was really good. Um, and interesting as well that you had to think, do you know what, how can I use my skills? I've been developing young people mm. for the best parts of seasons with two different clubs and in a grassroots environment. Mm. How can I use all those skills to benefit a first team environment? Um, and that kind of individual learning plans yeah. that you're kind of doing for young people um, or the young players in that team, your use of mm. your resources in terms of probably contacts at academies yeah. and getting young people alone or you think it's going to help support your plan. Um, really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, something to think about. Um, what was it like there? Was it was it a real change? We talked about practice and we talked about mm. the Mars bars and yeah, making yeah, sure yeah. that you kind of had that element of yeah. fun and yeah. um, engaging. Was it? Did you do? Listen, I'm just going to use most of my sessions. Or mm. probably the the main thing was uh, what, what I spoke about before was more like the off field bits were the challenge. I yeah. felt I was quite clear on how I was going to play, and the it grass, wasn't yeah. going to be um, 500 passes and total football because yeah. it was non-league football we were woken we were a bottom four or five budget and it was tough to get the right players in there yeah. so but I knew we'd play to a certain extent and I was very clear on how we'd play what formation we'd play and how I would coach I was careful that I didn't overcoach I think yeah. and it, and the recruitment process was very good at the start um, of the um, of the, the, the journey you could say and I got the right players in was managed to work with them we had an amazing start we were third in the league I did think by October any, did you get any did you get any players go how, how can you tell me what have you yeah, done some, what, have, yeah. Yeah, what have you done what, yeah. you know what I mean yeah what, I think you, so I mean, uh, you're, you're yeah. under 15s coach what are you yeah, telling me I'm a, yeah. third, I'm, a, I'm a senior 10 years pro yeah Is yeah. It? I think you always get that challenge and I'm sure I probably would have had under 15s players looking at me saying the same <laughs> thing what, what does he know and I'm a 6 year academy yeah. pro so I, I think when I first started coaching even back in those grassroots days I'd look at that as a real negative and go god he's all the the, but the ex-pros have earned the right because yeah. they've had the experience and yeah. I knew that I'd have to get the experience some other way. Mm. So I thought I've got to be good on the grass and do good sessions and made sure I was was on top of these players straight away. So one of the things I did, which was something that gained me respect, I think, on the field, was I had 10 values yeah. that I'd show the players at the start of pre-season and show quite regularly mm. and always put up in the office, put up around the training ground. And they were values that I held dear to myself but I also adapted to the players mm. so we had four main ones I think which were hard work ambition belief and respect mm. and I felt that a lot of the time when you were dropping one of the players or you weren't picking them or 
they I guarantee they weren't doing one of those values. Good. It wasn't just what they were doing on the pitch. Yeah. Because I felt the values were so important. They had them at Southampton. I sort of adapted them and changed them from that. But I felt like I needed something to hang my hat on myself. And that was in the presentation I did to the board and to the players. So if I was going to sit down and sign a player, I'd show them that presentation with the values on there. And I felt that really helped me like check myself was I living by the values mm. in and around the group as well, but then also get those players on side with that. And I'd regularly challenge them and go, well, look, you're not doing this. Like You need to be ambitious. You need mm. to want to go and play in the football league. And Why can't you go and play in the football league? Like You can, you're good enough. Yeah. And then that would challenge them. And then when they were sloppy in training, I'd no go, respect. hang on. You told me you wanted to go and play in the football league and you you had ambition. Yeah. You're not training like you do. So then you could nail them that way. And you, if there was something to refer back to, I found that's good. I'd change and adapt them slightly. I probably had a few too many. I'd probably cut it down to eight now. Yeah. So I'm always trying to think of, of how to change it. But I felt that was something good that hopefully got the respect before we, we, went, we went on to the pitch. Yeah. Part three out, 9th of March. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.